Pale Dictinus grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. In a child's eyes, a mother is a goddess. She can be glorious or terrible, benevolent or filled with wrath, but she commands love either way. I am convinced that this is the greatest power in the universe. Welcome to Storytelling Mothers, the 230th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of author N.K. Jemison. Our opening and closing music is credited as Frostwaltz Alternate by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0. You may call me Ode. Mary Meet, my name is Gwyn, and I am Ode's mother. Yesterday, as of the day we're recording, was Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. So we are doing a storytelling episode about that's right um uh mothers and mythology i i do want to make a little just aside like if you've got trauma about your mother or whatever and this day is not good for you that's okay Mm -hmm. won't blame anybody who doesn't think they can handle listening to this one that's right but so now we're going to do housekeeping and Mm -hmm. the first thing i want to talk about is that we're going to be changing up what we do with housekeeping a little bit Mm -hmm. so i had an interaction with a listener on facebook over this week who wanted to know why we weren't discussing the current wave of anti-trans legislation in the United States on the podcast. And that interaction was a little rough. I'm not going to pretend I didn't fuck it up. I absolutely did. But the reason we haven't done an episode about it, even though we've done other political episodes, Mm -hmm. is that that's a really tough topic for me as a non-binary person and as the target of a lot of that legislation. It also affects my brother because he's trans. And so it's just a, a topic I don't have the... Emotional, yeah, the spoons, the emotional fortitude to do a whole episode about. Mm -hmm. But we gave it some thought. Gwen and I talked about it. I I consulted with some of my gods and spirits. Mm -hmm. And the conclusion we came to was like, no, it is correct that this is something we should be addressing on the podcast um, and making our our position on clear. So we're going to start during housekeeping for these episodes talking about the situation. That's right. Right now, we're going to be focusing probably on the anti-trans legislation in the United States, because that's what is the biggest thing for us right now. Mm-hmm. We're probably also going to touch on the escalating gun violence in this country, mm-hmm. the rise of fascism, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to be a huge part of every episode. We're no. going to still keep it pretty brief. And we're going to be solutions-focused as much as possible, because just ranting about our emotions doesn't fix anything. Mm-hmm. But that's we're going to start putting that in our housekeeping, just so we can sort of stay on top of the evolving and continuing situations. That's right. The first thing I have to suggest just for this week as like a primer for everyone who's not familiar with the subject or who has not been keeping up on it is to go to Mm translegislation.com. This is a website dedicated to tracking all of the anti-trans legislation that's currently active in the United States. Whether it's being introduced or actually passing and um, being signed. Right. It, it, it breaks them down into legislation that is passed, legislation that is currently introduced, and legislation that has failed. And mm-hmm. it breaks it down state by state. And it also categorizes each piece of legislation based on what type of impact it would have on a trans person's life. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of individual state legislation. There's also a smaller amount of federal legislation mm-hmm. that is all being pushed currently. My suggestion for our listeners, especially listeners who are in the United States, is to go to translegislation.com, click Mm -hmm. on your state, 
find out what has been introduced in your state, and start calling your reps to complain about it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. For those who are living in the state of Florida, where a lot of Mm -hmm. uh, anti-trans, anti-LGBTQ is... is Just in general. Just in general has been uh, being passed and is now being signed relatively soon Mm -hmm. by Ron DeSantis. We are asking you to stay safe. Mm -hmm. We know that a lot of you are trying to or are planning to leave that state, Mm -hmm. which I completely understand. And my heart goes out to everybody who's stuck there because not everybody can just pick up and move. That's right. And, um, and some people aren't willing to, you know, this is their yeah, state and they that's want their home, you know, they want to have a place in it. I just want you to know that we are, we're thinking about you. We are supporting you in any way mm-hmm. we can. It's not just Florida. I want to be clear. There yeah. are like, you know, Oklahoma's doing really badly Missouri, right now. Uh huh. Texas. Yeah. It's a mess all over. It's a mess all over. But one of the things that I did want to share is an organization called Point of Pride. It is an organization that provides financial aid and direct support to trans folks in need of health and wellness care, which especially since gender affirming care is under attack uh-huh. in many, many of these states, uh-huh. this is an important organization to know about. Some of the things they do is they have an annual trans surgery fund, they have an HRT or hormone replacement access fund, an electrolysis support fund for permanent hair removal services. They have free chest binders, free femme shapewear, and there's just all kinds of of things that they provide. Support. Support that they provide. And there's multiple ways that people can assist by helping through donations, through writing letters for legislation, Mm -hmm. fundraising. And they also have a number of, uh, they have a blog with a lot of really good articles Mm -hmm. with all of these topics in mind. Yeah. And, so, and how to get involved. Exactly. Or if you are in need, mm-hmm. how to apply, how to learn more about their organization and the services they provide. So again, it's Point of Pride. So it's www.pointofpride.org. Mm-hmm. So check it out. And that's where we're going to leave off this week, I mm-hmm. think, for housekeeping. Yep. Mm-hmm. But like I said, expect this every week. That's right. Every week we're going to be addressing something related to this topic mm-hmm. and trying to direct people to solutions and supports. That's right. And on another note, I'll have more information in the next week, but uh, the Detroit area is having a pagan picnic Mm, on June 10th. More conventional housekeeping. More conventional (laughs) housekeeping. It's a pagan picnic. It's a gathering for that's kind of in the middle between convocation Mm -hmm. and for people to get back together and see each other. And I'm actually going to be leading a, a ritual. A ritual, yes. The sun, uh, honoring the sun, is going to be... Solar ritual. Yes, is going to be the theme of the picnic this year. So I'll have more information for you next week if you are in that area and would like to come to the pagan picnic. I will not be attending that one, but I am going to be helping Gwen write her ritual. So that should be fun. All right, so we're going to say that we are house kept and house House swept. Delightful. So, it's been a minute since we've done a storytelling episode. Storytelling! Um, I looked it up. I think our last one was in January. It's been a minute. It's been Mm -hmm. four or five months. Yep. And I just really love doing the storytelling episodes. So I wanted to do another one. (laughs) We both love the storytelling. And I think it's appropriate for, you know, right after Mother's Day. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. It's just, they're just fun. They just are fun. So Gwen and I, I believe, each have two stories. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So the first story that I want to share is about the mother of all monsters, Echidna. We have two potential origins for her. And she's Greek, right? Yes, she is Greek. 
And uh, she is potentially either the daughter of Forces and Sido, who um, that's according to Hesiod's Theogony, mm. um, and they were sea deities, or Tartarus and Gaia, according to uh, the mythographer Apollodorus. Okay. I think the better known mythology has is more Hesiod based. Okay. Echidna, according to the Orphic tales, had the head of a beautiful woman with very long hair and the body of a serpent. Ooh. Yes. And she lived in a cave, like you do. Like you do. And she would prey upon unfortunate passers by. <laughs> Logistical question. Okay. Can she still unhinge her jaw like a snake? Well, because the, her head is yeah. Is, that's what I'm saying. Like, how yeah. does she how does she prey on people? Like, is she maybe she wraps them in her coils? Maybe she could be a, like a like a constrictor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I like I said with the head of a beautiful woman. Yeah. Like it doesn't seem like she would be able to like yeah like venomously bite someone mm-hmm. or unhinge her jaw and just consume them. So she must be some kind of constrictor snake. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Lo- logistics worked out. Let's proceed. Logistics have been worked out. Okay. At least from what we think could possibly be. She had a love interest mm-hmm. and his name was Typhon. The, oh. He was the terrible, frightening, lawless Typhon who was a giant with like a hundred heads oh. that were also snakes um, and so, you know, he was monstrous himself. Okay, all right. And, of course, he fell very much in love with Echidna and she with him. And together, uh-huh. they made many babies. But did they make a regular snake with one snake head and one snake body? Well, I will get to that <laughs> because I will tell you some of the babies that these two had upon uh-huh. their, their union. Their many, many unions together. <laughs> Because most of the time, I think some of the time he lived with her in the cave, and some of okay. the, sometimes he was it says rampaging she, or whatever, yeah, and she would live alone. Okay, but um, but yes, they when they were together, uh-huh. the first child they had was Orthrus, the two-headed dog I say, I know who guarded one. the cattle of the grandson of Medea, nephew of Pegasus, Geryon, and those were his cattle. And this first child was the guard dog for mm-hmm. the cattle. The second child they had, you might know, his name is Cerberus. Ah! And he guards the gates of Hades. My boy! Yes. Multi-headed dogs are a thing. Multi-headed <laughs> dogs. Their third child was the Hydra. Oh! Of the many-headed serpent. Yeah, Typhon's yeah. multiple Knock heads are really, are, yeah. are, are really, really strong, strong here. genetic connection. And they had many, many other children, including the Chimera and Scylla of Scylla and Charybdis fame. Nice. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to throw out there that, like, most of their children show up in Persona games. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Now, of course, their children were monsters, Mm -hmm. as they themselves were monsters, and they all rampaged across the world and did, you know, like you do, and did different things. So ultimately, as we know... Their children were killed. Mostly by, died, yeah. By the heroes, Heracles and Jason mm-hmm. and Theseus and I think Orpheus killed just, one. Just and, a variety. Yeah, you know, a variety of heroes, mostly connected to Zeus, mm-hmm. killed all their children. So at some point, Typhon and Echidna had enough and they Ooh. went to war with Zeus. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I assume that didn't go well, but no. I, I, I love the... No. The loyalty there. Yeah, ultimately, Zeus, he overcame them, mm-hmm. of course, because, you know, being the 
chief god, mm-hmm. you know, um, he killed Typhon. But he had mercy on Echidna because she was the mother she of was, these children. She was and driven she by was, a mother's love. She was driven by a mother's love and grief mm-hmm. over the loss of her children. So he allowed her to live in her cave. Mm-hmm. Until one day. When oh, she, there's more. I would have assumed that was the end of it. No, one day she was asleep in her cave. Mm-hmm. And she was killed by Argus Panoptus, a hundred-eyed giant who served Hera. Oh, my God. <laughs> Her head was lopped off as she slept. Rude. Hmm. So Zeus showed, showed mercy, but Hera was like, no. Hera was having none of it. <laughs> and so, yeah. So since Zeus uh, allowed her to live, mm-hmm. Hera decided to dispatch her. It's very tragic. Mm-hmm. And that is Echidna. The mother of all monsters. I feel bad for a kid now. Yeah, really. I mean, she had a lot of children, too. There mm-hmm. there are some in the mythologies. They believe she was the mother of the Sphinx. Mm. Um, and uh, a bunch in, of... Uh, Hellenized Egypt, mm-hmm, I In Hellenized Egypt and a bunch of other uh, of the famous monsters. Mm-hmm. She, you know, she is credited. She and Typhon are credited with their Their origins. Their origins. The mother of all monsters, a kid. No, mm-hmm. I've always thought she was interesting. Yeah. Because if you watch the uh, long, long ago legendary journeys of Hercules oh. <laughs> with Kevin <laughs> yes. Sorbo. Yeah. Oh, God. Before he went yes. off the deep end. Yes. Echidna and Typhon are uh, are featured in one of those. Are ep- they? Yes. Oh, I don't remember that. Yes. In one of the earlier episodes. Oh, wow. Echidna and Typhon are, are uh I wonder if I could featured. still bear to watch the legendary journeys of Hercules knowing. Knowing uh, where, how he ended yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> knowing where he's at now. Yeah. But if nothing else, just to watch how they interpret. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the and the they did show the love story. If I remember that correctly, did they? they did show the love story oh, of Echidna We might have to dig that one up. <laughs> it's been a long time. It's been many, many, many years. We might have I, to dig that one up. I remember I do really, really, it, it really stuck out to me. Right? Like, you know? oh, these monster people yep. also get a love story. I do like that. Story. I like that, like, Typhon and Echidna are like a permanent partnership. Because mm-hmm. you see that not not very frequently yeah. in, in Greek mythology. Yeah, Often exactly. there's a lot of sleeping around. And you, and you wouldn't think, yeah, because as far as, you know, the mythology is concerned, Typhon and uh, Echidna were very faithful mm-hmm. to each other. Yeah, I like that. And I like that Typhon, presumably, with his hegelian snake heads, saw mm-hmm. Echidna and was like, I like that. I like, like your coils, baby. Yeah, I love those, <laughs> those coils. Love beautiful scales. Beautiful. Yeah, it probably had nothing to do with her beautiful no. face. <laughs> and everything to do uh-huh. with her gorgeous snake, snake body. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. The serpent. Yes, I love that. Yep, yep. <laughs> and like I said, the, the multi-headed gene is dominant, I mm-hmm, guess. <laughs> yeah, because they had a lot of multi-headed babies. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Love that. <laughs> All right, so my first mother of the day, we're going to be sticking Greek mm. mythology. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be talking about, I'm going to go with Thetis, I think, because yeah. it's easier to say, who is the mother of Achilles. Mm-hmm. So Thetis was a quote-unquote minor sea goddess. Minor. She's described that way a few times in some of the mythology. Rude. Very rude. It's, and and interesting because she's also sometimes described as having, like, rescued Zeus on one occasion when there was a coup. I wonder if minor deity means regional. I think so. I think uh, the implication is that, like, she was a regional sea deity 
or that she was like a, a sea goddess who had been more important in a previous age mm-hmm. and who had sort of like lost because she's not considered an Olympian. Mm-hmm. So who had sort of lost prominence over time. Right. But um, sort of the same way that like Hecate has this weird thing where she's like not in Olympian Greek mythology mm-hmm. considered to be like a, a hype, like a super important goddess. Mm-hmm. But there's the, all these these implications of, like, she was more important she before and Zeus important. owes her things. Mm-hmm. There's sort of that same implication with Thetis that, like... So the story is that at one point, a bunch of the other Olympians were going to overthrow Zeus. Mm. And Thetis heard about it and decided to save him oh. and summoned a sea monster to guard him. Okay. Uh, Hecaton shears. Like a, a many-limbed, hulking sea beast okay. that she summoned out of the sea because that mm-hmm. was her domain to mm-hmm. to guard Zeus and the Olympians who were who were trying to overthrow him were so intimidated they just went away. Well, I would be too. Uh-huh. And that Zeus owed her basically a favor for this. So it's just one of those weird little like asides in her story. But so she's supposed to be the the daughter of Nereus, not Poseidon, but Nereus, who was a sea god. And yeah, I think people forget that there were more more, there more were multiple than Poseidon. Yeah. She's sometimes mistaken as having been a a daughter of Poseidon because occasionally she's just described as like the daughter of the sea god, Mm -hmm. but it is Nereus specifically. She was the head of the Nereids. Gotcha. So she gets married to Peleus, who is a king. Mm -hmm. Like you do. Uh Uh-huh. There's actually a whole little fun bride kidnapping story. Oh boy. (laughs) Like there usually are with these things. So basically Peleus wants to marry Thetis, but because she's a Nereid and a, a sea goddess, he's not sure how to go about it. So he, like, consults with another god who's oh like, boy. okay, grab her while she's asleep. And she'll shapeshift into a whole bunch of things. But if you don't let go, eventually she'll concede. Very Tamlin shapeshifting uh, gauntlet here happens. Mm-hmm. So she transforms into a whole bunch of things. She becomes a lion. She becomes a living flame. She becomes a sea wave. Um, and Peleus manages to hold on to her through all oh, this. Yeah. Hold on to Good a sea question. wave but, or but, fire. But he manages to hold on to her through all of this. And so finally she retakes uh, a humanish form and is like, okay, fine, I'll marry you, you stubborn <laughs> bastard. So it is actually during Thetis's wedding to Peleus that the apple thing happens. Oh, the apple thing. The apple thing that starts the Trojan the War. The Trojan War. Which mm-hmm. is uh, eventually where Achilles will die. <laughs> Um, So there's a terrible irony there. So, Mm -hmm. but during her wedding, uh, Eris is not invited and throws the apple of discord into the middle of the thing and creates all this drama between a whole bunch of goddesses. Mm -hmm. Who's the prettiest? Exactly. Disrupts Thetis's wedding. And that eventually becomes sort of the seed of the Trojan War. But in between then... Right. So after the the disruption of the wedding, mm-hmm. um, Thetis and Peleus get it on like you do. <laughs> Why um, not? You uh-huh. know, he, he, he fought for it. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Thetis gives birth to a son named Achilles. She is very concerned about the fact that her son is mortal mm. and is doomed to die. This causes her like significant grief and stress. Doomed to die just as a mortal? Her initial concern is just in general that he is mortal and will die. Mm-hmm. Um, she does later have a prophecy about okay, him. But, so, but at this point, when he's just been born, her concern is just like, he's mortal, he will not live forever, and I want him to, so I need a solution. Gotcha. So her first solution is to try to burn the mortality out of him. Ouch. Yes. So 
one of Achilles' alternate names actually is saved from the fire because she is burning away his mortal flesh. <laughs> and this, this seems counterintuitive. Yeah, and, and bathing him in ambrosia to try to like fix it. Fix it, right? To to try to to burn away his mortality and leave behind just the immortal Achilles self. Poor baby Achilles. Uh-huh. Uh, but Peleus catches her doing this oh, and rips the baby away from her and is like, like you do. <laughs> exactly. And is like, you cannot set our child on fire. I don't care if you're a goddess. <laughs> um, but Thetis is enraged that he is interfering in her attempts to make their son immortal. Mm-hmm. So she like throws a tantrum and leaps out of a window into the sea and never sees Peleus again. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so, kind of extreme. Yeah, she's because she's just like, she's overwhelmed with this anticipatory grief and this mm-hmm. need to make Achilles safe. Mm-hmm. So it's unclear. And like, there are sort of two stories, right? There's the story mm-hmm. of her trying to burn out the mortality and there's the story of dipping him in the river Styx. Mm-hmm. So it's unclear if these are like alternate stories or if it's supposed to be like one happened and then the other happened. But so the way I've sort of stitched them together in my head is that She tries to burn the mortality out of him. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. She comes back and fetches him at some point and takes him to the river Styx. Mm -hmm. Dips him in the river, but has to hold him by the heel. Mm -hmm. So that is the one part of him that remains mortal. Yep. It's like, Um, did you not think to go all the way down with your hand included? With the hands. Yeah. I guess she was worried maybe she would forget if she put her hand in the river since Mm. uh, it's the... Can't, can't double dip that baby, says Ellie. Yeah, exactly. She gets him almost immortal. Almost immortal. Not to quite. Tiny not, bit. Not quite to the end of immortal. Achilles, baby Achilles, is returned to his father Peleus. And Peleus, who is now left without a wife to raise his child, mm-hmm. uh, gives him to the centaur, Chiron. Chiron, and is like, can you please raise this child to be good at things? <laughs> and Chiron is like, sure, I'm great at that. <laughs> And so while he is, while Achilles is being raised by the centaur, his mother has a prophecy about him that he can have one of two lives. Either he can have a long life, but be unremarkable, or he can have a short life, but be famous. Mm -hmm. And she desperately wants him to choose the first one. And be unremarkable. Be unremarkable. Uh Uh-huh. So when the Trojan War breaks out, Thetis is concerned that her son, who is just about to come of age to start going to war, Mm -hmm. will get involved in this somehow. Mm -hmm. So her solution, she has a friend, another king in another country who owes her a favor. Mm -hmm. So she's like, okay, I'm going to just pick up, I'm going to just take Achilles away from the centaur. I'm going to just put him in the court of this king over here, dressed like a girl, so that no one can take him to war. (laughs) And her, her king friend is like, okay, if this is what you think is best, you're the goddess. I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> so Achilles is residing in the court of his mother's friend, mm-hmm. dressed as a girl. A young and, lady. Yes, a, a lady not yet at a marriageable age, but getting there. And is, you know, spending time with the ladies of the court. <laughs> there have been other prophecies about Achilles in the meantime by mm-hmm. other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so people know that he exists and that he's, you know, prophesied to be this very powerful warrior so people want him Mm -hmm. so odysseus goes to this court uh because of course he does of course he does because he's looking for warriors Mm -hmm. uh to fight in the trojan war and he goes there and sees like hmm a lot of women in this court no young men appropriate to bring to war with me but i have a suspicion 
So he arranges for an alarm to go out as if the court is being attacked Mm -hmm. unexpectedly. And Achilles, being a young man who has been trained by a centaur Mm -hmm. most of his life, he jumps into the fray. Jumps up and and reaches for his weapons and his armor. Uh, And Odysseus is like, aha! Gotcha. Got you. You're not a woman at all. You're Achilles, son of Thetis. Come fight in the Trojan War with me. And Achilles, of course, is like, yeah, that sounds like fun. So of course I'll, he does. Uh-huh, yeah. So <laughs> so off he goes to the uh to the Trojan War and Thetis is very stressed about it and like you would be. Uh-huh. I'd be stressed. She's very stressed about it and she's keeping a close eye on him. Mm-hmm. Thetis actually has a, a surprisingly close relationship with her, with her son even though like technically she does not raise him. She shows up a lot yeah. in his story. Basically anytime he's in trouble, he calls his mom and she's and coming. she and she answers. During the Trojan War, an incident occurs where Patroclus, Achilles' close companion, cousin slash lover, wears Achilles' armor into battle and is slain. Is killed. And Achilles is inconsolable over the death of Patroclus. Like, Mm -hmm. he can't handle it. He's in the deepest mourning of all time. Well, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So he calls his mom and is like, they're asking me to go fight, but... I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't fight. If I leave, Patroclus's body will start to decay. And they took my armor that he was wearing. And I can't, like, I can't. I can't go fight. Even though I am definitely consumed with rage and a desire for revenge. Mm-hmm. I can't go fight because A, they stole my armor. And B, my lover's body will start to rot while I'm away doing this. And, and I can't, can't handle that. that. I can't stand it. Thetis comes up with two solutions. First, for the armor... She has a favor from Hephaestus because she rescued him when he was thrown down from Olympus and was was injured. He owes her a favor, so he agrees to make new armor for Achilles. And while that's happening, she preserves Patroclus' body Mm -hmm. with ambrosia so that it will stay perfectly intact Mm. until Achilles can return for his funeral. Ancient embalming. Exactly. And then she provides a beautiful golden urn Mm. for his bones to be placed in after the funeral. Okay. Obviously, uh, Achilles is very grateful to his mother for these gifts. Achilles then goes and dies in the Trojan War. Because of the heel thing. Because of the heel. Doesn't he get like an arrow? He gets an arrow. Yeah, he's an an arrow in the heel. And because that is his only mortal piece, it slays him. It kills him. And Thetis is, you know, obviously overwrought. But she, because she arranged this golden urn to be provided for Patroclus's bones after the funeral, what actually ends up happening is that Achilles and Patroclus are both burned on their funeral pyres, their bones are removed and put together into Aww. this urn. And so they, t- they can be together forever. They can in be the together. Exactly. They can be together. It's um, kind of beautiful. In this, this urn provided by his mother. So she, she sort of keeps them in her care. Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. Yeah. I've not heard that part of yeah, the, the story, ending bit. The ending. Yeah. Where he gets to basically be with his lover. Mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. So that is the story of Thetis and the tragic story of her son (laughs) and her many desperate attempts to keep him safe and Mm -hmm. just never quite managing. Yeah. I feel bad for Thetis. She tried so hard. She did try hard. And, you know, she did everything she could, but Mm -hmm. it was apparently fated for this to happen to her son. Yep. He was doomed. As soon as he went off to the Trojan War, Mm -hmm. which was started because of drama at her wedding, which which I can only imagine is... The guilt? Yeah, is just... 
insult to injury. Right, right. Want to read a diverse and inclusive fantasy that's pagan-friendly? Check out Arrow's Flight by M.B. Strang. Arrow's Flight, an unknown menace, moves through the polite society of Pearl's holding. If not caught in time, it will bring down not just the hallowed knights of the Pearl Order, but also everyone who lives and works with them. The answer lies with a young woman of mysterious origins whose life has been touched by tragedy. To fulfill her potential, she must confront her past and discover a future more amazing than she'd ever imagined and find the inner strength to fly. She's not alone. A handful of knights, a hearth mage, and their magical companions all test their physical and magical limits to make things right before it's too late. Otherwise, dark forces will overtake the knights for good. Go to mbstrang.com for details on ordering your copy now. Scroll down to the bottom of the main page to sign up for the newsletter and receive a free story. Woot woot. Hail Dictinus. Hail Dictinus. Let me get the thing. Light the fires. Light the fire. Hail Dictinus. Hail Dictinus. Okay. Okay. So, interesting that you chose Uh Achilles, um, whose mama was trying to protect him from the Trojan War. Mm -hmm. When this was a funny coincidence. This was a very <laughs> funny coincidence because the next mother I'm going to talk about is Penelope, mm-hmm. the wife and queen of Ithaca, mm-hmm. who was the wife of Odysseus, who was the king of Ithaca, who went off to the Trojan War because of a promise to King Menelaus mm-hmm. and was gone for the entirety of the of the Trojan War. In fact, it was his idea for the Trojan mm-hmm. horse. Yep. The whole odyssey. Yes. And Afterwards. It took him 10 years to get home. So in the meantime, while Penelope, who um, when she, when they were together, she had, uh, she became the mother of Telemachus. You know, she and, and Odysseus had this son together. And then he had to leave his wife and his child for the Trojan War. And he didn't think he was going to be gone as long as he was. If I remember correctly, he insults Poseidon or something. Yeah. So that's why the Odyssey happens. mm -hmm, So he ends up, he and his men end up going on all these trips. Mm -hmm. And he's just trying to get home. And he just keeps getting Mm -hmm. waylaid for one reason or another. But while he's gone, Penelope stays true to her king Mm -hmm. and her husband. And you have to realize he was gone for 10 years. She is the queen of Ithaca. Mm-hmm. With him no longer on the throne, there's a space. Yeah. She's right? effectively the regent for Telemachus. Yes, she is the regent for Telemachus. And because of this, the various chieftains of the various tribes and wanting mm-hmm. to take over Ithaca, mm-hmm. they keep trying to get her to marry them. Mm-hmm. So they come a courting. Mm-hmm. And of course, she is not interested in this at all. She is deeply in love with Odysseus. She wants him to come home to her. She mm-hmm. wants him to take his rightful place as uh, king again mm-hmm. of Ithaca and to be the father to their child mm-hmm. that he should be. So she is very patiently waiting First, the 10 years of the war. Mm-hmm. And then after the war, she's believing he's coming and then he's not. So and everyone, all, all, everyone else starts coming home. <laughs> everyone else starts coming home, but Odysseus never does. So mm-hmm. she starts getting these courtship attentions, mm-hmm. if you will, gifts and visits. and Yeah, and I think a whole bunch of suitors move into their house. They do. <laughs> a whole bunch of suitors move in and try to, you know, try to woo her, try to make her their queen Mm -hmm. so they can take over Ithaca. Well, she came up 
with a very clever plan. <laughs> you got to give it to the lady. Mm-hmm. She was very clever. Because what she did was she held them off for an additional 10 years. <laughs> she held them off for 10 years by telling them she needed to... Actually, I think it was only three years. I think it was we were getting toward the end of the... Of, of the 10-year ten, period. the 10-year period after the Trojan mm-hmm. War. And uh, they were really starting to pressure her. He's not coming home, Penelope. I think it was also because Telemachus was about to come of age. Yes, Telemachus was going to come of age. And everybody's like, Penelope, come on. Mm-hmm. It's been, what, 18 years? Yeah. Or seven, 16, 17 yeah. years? It's been a long time. He's not coming home. He either died on the trip mm-hmm. or he found another woman or, you know, it was, he's not coming back to mm-hmm. you. And so they started putting more and more pressure on her to choose a suitor. Mm-hmm. And not just the suitors, but other other leaders in, within the kingdom. They wanted stability in Ithaca, Yes, basically. they wanted stability. So what she did, though, to spare herself from all these attentions mm-hmm. and to give herself more time for Odysseus to return, she told them that she had to finish weaving a shroud for Laertes, Odysseus's father, mm-hmm. her father who had died, who had died, and so she spent all day weaving, very carefully weaving mm-hmm. this shroud. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful work. Beautiful work. And then at night, she'd undo it all. Mm-hmm. She'd undo it, and presumably not all of it. Presumably, she yeah, would like leave like would, a little bit a of progress. Work, yeah. You know? So, but she did this for three years. Mm-hmm. Every day, she, you know, someone would come to her and she said, "No, I'm still working." Mm-hmm. Still weaving. The, still weaving the shroud for my father-in-law. She did this for three years mm-hmm. with this ruse. This delaying tactic. This delaying tactic until one day, one of her maids betrayed her mm-hmm. to the suitors and told them what she was up to. Which, fire that woman. Right? By this time, they're like, okay, now you have to choose. This game is over. Mm-hmm. And around this time... Who should come Coincidentally. home? Coincidentally, Odysseus comes home. But he is, it's been 20 years. Mm-hmm. So he is very changed and he's heard rumors mm-hmm. as he's been approaching his, his home that uh, all these suitors are coming for Penelope. Yeah. And um, so he, he doubts her. Well, he doubts her. He does. So he enters the city in the guise of a beggar mm-hmm. and he presents himself along with all these other suitors. And so she comes up with a challenge. Since the shroud thing is no longer going right. to work, she comes up with a challenge and she sends them all off mm-hmm. to, to do some task. Some quest. Some quest. And whoever uh, brings back whatever it was she asked for and accomplishes the quest, she will become their queen. Well, during this whole thing, Odysseus presents himself to her. Mm-hmm. And he's so changed, she doesn't recognize him. And, of course, he had been in disguise as uh-huh. well, but she just, you know, it's been 20 years. She doesn't yep. know who he is. Well, and Odysseus is uh, canonically a master of disguise. Exactly. He disguises himself several times. And what she does is she tells, I think, her maids to uh, to bring the bed that Odysseus made for her out of the bedchamber. Mm-hmm. And apparently he loses his shit because this was a, a bed that was made of a particular tree that was around the tree mm-hmm. and he just and because and he described it and he described the chamber and he's all angry and that is when she realized this was truly Odysseus because he gave details about this bed in this inner chamber that no other suitor would have ever seen mm-hmm. and uh, she realized it was him you would think happily ever after 
But no. But no. Because <laughs> nothing's ever easy for because Odysseus. Because nothing is ever easy for Odysseus or for Penelope. Uh-huh. Because he goes off again a short while later. Not that long later. Mm-hmm. Um, I think their son goes off to, to fight in some war and then comes back. And I mean, some things happen. But then ultimately, Odysseus goes on another on another quest and never returns. He puts his son in the throne. Mm-hmm. To, to rule in his place, to go on this voyage. And then he ends up in some island somewhere, marrying some local princess, and leaves Penelope alone forever. She should have just married one of the suitors. Yep. <laughs> Would she, have been better for her. She did all she could to raise her beloved son mm-hmm. to become a good ruler who, based on what I've read in the mythology, Nothing mm-hmm. says he was a bad Yeah, no, Telemachus ruler. was a good kid. Telemachus was a good kid. He was a good ruler. And so he became an excellent king. But, and, and Penelope, for all of her loyalty mm-hmm. to her husband, ended up alone. <laughs> like I said, she should have picked a suitor. She yep. should have just, yep. <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, but that is, you got to give it to the woman. She was steadfast and she was fucking creative. Mm-hmm. I mean, to hold them off by saying she was making a shroud yeah. for, a you know, her father-in-law, who was probably dust by the time she was yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know, <sighs> um, but nobody challenged her on it until mm-hmm. that maid betrayed her. Now, I'm not exactly sure why the maid betrayed her. Um, Money, I, probably. I, yeah, who knows? But they, she, the game was given up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you got to love it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. And I think uh, I think Telemachus also tests Odysseus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he I think he does a like a like a challenge with Odysseus's bow or something, mm-hmm. which is so has such a high draw weight that basically only Odysseus could possibly string right. it. Something like that. Oh well. I think Telemachus was a good king because of Penelope. <laughs> he, had well, nothing yes. to do she, with his father. Of course, yes, because she was the one who actually raised him. Yep. <laughs> she raised him, and she raised him good. Uh-huh. All right. So a second mother to talk about who is. Not Greek. Not <laughs> we're, Greek. We're going away from the Greeks. Going away from the Greeks. But hey, they were fun. Uh-huh. Yeah. Quite a few Greek mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, but the mother I'm going to talk about now, the last mother of the night, is, and I, I beg any Irish listeners to forgive me for pronunciation on these names, I believe it's Dectina. Don't look at me. Um, so Dectina is the daughter of Nessa, who I'm not going to get into, but read about Nessa because, like... She's basically like the revenge version of Snow White. Great story. Ooh. Um, yeah. Revenge Snow White. Yeah, I don't know how else to describe it. So she's the daughter of, of Revenge Snow White. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and she is the sister of uh, King Konkavar. She's his charioteer. Okay. Um, because she, as she's growing up, she has this great facility with horses her role under her brother's reign is to be his charioteer. Cool. In various different sources, sometimes she's his daughter, sometimes Mm. she's his sister, but the standard, uh, at least from the Ulster cycle, seems to be that she's his sister. That's one of the things that I love about Irish mythology and Mm -hmm. the horsewomen. Yes, so many horsewomen. So (laughs) many amazing horsewomen. Uh Yeah, and uh, and Dechtene is one of them. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, uh, a quest that her, that her brother is on. Uh, at one point, they are there. There's like a a swarm of magical birds, basically, that are attacking people. 
Uh, and so Rude. Yeah. And so Conkavar is trying to figure out what's up with that and solve that problem. And obviously to keep up with a bunch of magical birds, you need a chariot. So yeah. his, his sister is with him on this quest. And they're, you know, charioteering through the countryside. Looking, like you do. Right? Looking for these magical birds. And they drive into like a blizzard that completely whites out. Like they can't see where the fuck they're going. Mm-hmm. And so finally they find like a house. Just a little cabin in the middle of nowhere. This sounds ominous. Yeah, so they find like a little cabin in the middle of nowhere and they're like, can we seek shelter with you during this blizzard? We will be no trouble, promise, and we will leave as soon as as soon as the blizzard's gone because we got to find these magic evil birds. Was this a witch who whistled up that blizzard? So, so <laughs> the man who answered the door is like, okay, you can come in, but my wife is literally in labor. Oh. <laughs> so... So please do not disturb her. <laughs> so they go into this guy's house and his wife is in the middle of labor, is in the middle of giving birth. Daikatana helps her give birth. And because, uh, you know, ladies got to stick together, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same moment that this woman's child is born, a baby boy, two colts are also born to one of Daikatana's horses outside. Did she know they were pregnant? I don't imagine she would have intentionally bought, brought a pregnant horse as part of her chariot team, so probably not. <laughs> Magical Di- pregnant exactly. horses. Exactly. Twin colts. Um, but so is very like, okay, cool. I guess <laughs> good to have new horses. <laughs> this is obviously very exciting. Yeah. Everyone's like, okay, new horses, new baby. Yeah, hey, okay. auspicious probably. Yeah. So they all go to bed. I'm feeling an ominous vibe here. They all go to bed <laughs> with the new baby and the new horses. As soon as all the, the new infants are settled, everyone mm-hmm. goes to bed to try to sleep out this blizzard. Right. When Kunkavar and Daktana and their men wake up, the house is gone. Oh, boy. The blizzard I is knew gone. It. I knew it. The man and his wife are gone. I knew it. They are at Newgrange. Oh, boy. Which they did not realize. Oh, boy. They're, like, on top of the Newgrange mound. Uh Uh-huh. And the only sign that that night happened at all is that the two colts and the baby boy are still here. Wow. How do you miss a pregnant horse, though, says Elle. Yeah, exactly. My my theory is, I guess, that the horse became spontaneously pregnant and gave birth immediately. Yeah. But simultaneously with the disappearing woman. Dechtena is like, well, the baby is still here, so... Mm -hmm. Someone's got to take care of it, and I guess that's my job now. <laughs> Don't think I ever actually find the magical birds. And Kankavar eventually is just like, fuck it, we're going home, I guess. <laughs> Our quest was derailed by whatever the fuck happened on Newgrange. Yeah. So they go home, and Dykstena is like, cool, got new horses, got a new baby. Um, so she basically adopts this baby as her foster son and is raising him to, you know, like, learn horses. Because, yeah. hey, here's these two horses who were born the same day as you. Perfect. Be a horseman. Uh-huh, exactly. Unfortunately, tragically, um, her foster son grows sick and dies. Aww. And she is heartbroken yeah. because she had adopted this child basically as her own. Mm-hmm. She well, loved... and you would think under magical circumstances exactly. he would be like thriving, powerful, actually. strong, yeah. good, good, strong baby. But no, he, he sickens and dies. And there's nothing she can do to, to heal him or to, to fix this situation. Um, he's just, he's just gone. Oh, that makes me sad. And she is completely like grief stricken and descends to drunkenness um, to try to cope with the loss Mm -hmm. of this foster son because she's not married and she's not really planning to get married. This was her only child. This this was her option. This was her child was this magic baby. 
So she's grieving and just spending all all day day drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point, this is a thing that happens several times in Irish mythology, and I'm never sure if it's a weird translation issue or what, but it's described as a tiny creature jumps from her cup into her mouth. Hmm. And like I said, and I'm not sure if that's like a supposed to be like a she accidentally swallowed a spirit, mm-hmm. or I don't know what this is supposed to mean, but. How it, how it is translated into English, at least, is a tiny creature jumps from her cup into her mouth. Okay. She does not notice this happening because she's super, super drunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interestingly, this also happened to her mother, Revenge Snow White. That was how she became pregnant with Konkavar. Oh. Daktana goes to bed drunk. <laughs> Does she wake up pregnant? Well, she has a dream. And in the dream, Lou comes to her oh. and says, Daktana. A couple of years ago, you stopped at my house. It was Lou. It was Lou. It was Aww. Lou's house. A couple of years ago, you stopped at my house, spent the night in the middle of a blizzard, and I was so charmed and so impressed by the way you cared for both the colts and the child that were left behind that I have chosen you to bear my true son. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. So, yes, she does wake up pregnant. She wakes up pregnant. She wakes up pregnant by Lou. With his uh, child. With his child. And there's a whole bunch of drama where, like, people, because she's not married. Heard this before. Uh-huh. Because she's not <laughs> married, a bunch of people are like, did she have an incestuous relationship with uh, her brother? Pe- oh, people. Exactly. Oh, my God. Exactly. That's the rumor. Yeah. And so Konkavar is like, uh, no, we have to get you married immediately. <laughs> So he has, like, uh, another king who's a friend of his who owes him a favor, basically, and is like, hi, I need you to marry my sister. Take my pregnant sister away. I need you to marry my pregnant sister immediately. So so that happens. She gets married to this. Make her respectable. Take her to your kingdom. Exactly. She gets married to this random guy. And in some of the... So this is where it gets weird. In some of the stories... Now is where it gets weird. Now is where it gets weird. In some of the stories... I I don't think you know what this means. (laughs) I don't think this means what you think it means. In some of the stories, she, quote, crushes the life out of the child she has from Lou and makes herself a virgin again and has a child with her new husband. Okay. Unclear how any of that works. Seems a little rude. Uh Uh-huh. But her child, regardless of which story it is, Mm -hmm. is Kukulin. Mm-hmm. The extremely famous hero who is considered to be the son and incarnation of, of Lou. Lou. Oh my God! So, well, then she couldn't have done exactly it, done it much damage. Exactly. She... So I'm not clear on like why they put this into some of the stories that like she aborted Lou's baby and had her new husbands instead. And yet it's somehow and yet survived. somehow and yet somehow the child she has is regardless Kukulin, but. Her child is Kukulin. Maybe it's to make her feel better. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe that's, yeah, literally, maybe that is the story they tell people. But in fact, this is Lou's son. Son. Kukulin. I don't know. That makes me feel good. I like Lou. Yeah. I, I liked, I've I actually. I liked Lou as a deity. I actually really liked the story of like, I left you a test baby. Mm-hmm. To see how you'd do. <laughs> to see how you would do. And I was so impressed that I decided, yes, you could have my actual real son. Because you grieved the, the baby exactly. so much. You took good care of him. Mm-hmm. It wasn't your fault he died. You you did everything right. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to give you a real, like, not magic baby to, right. to, to keep. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 
Yeah. So yeah, bad reputation to go with. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, Konkavar, that everyone thinks you fucked your sister. Yeah. But yeah, so it was a. Uh, was I, she happy with the guy she married? Unclear. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I I really liked that story. I thought it was yeah, a, a good like she like Dachton approved that she was a good mother before she even was one. Yeah, yeah. So that's very cool. I like that's that. Very cool. That is a whirlwind few years, says Githa. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> a lot happened for her. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Well, there you have it. Those yep. are our mother stories. Mother stories for Mother's Day. I thought they were great. Yeah. <laughs> I think we found some good mothers. There are, of course, even more good mothers. It was mm-hmm. honestly hard to, to like, narrow it down. It really is because you've got mother goddesses. You know, I didn't want to do the, the Demeter Persephone story because everybody knows exactly, that Exactly. We've talked about that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, I didn't want to tell, like, the story of Frigga trying mm-hmm. to save Baldur and stuff like that because yeah. we've talked about we've it before. We've talked about that before. Or, like... Loki giving birth to a horse. Yes. We've, <laughs> We've talked, talked about, about it before. Because he's a good mother too. He, he is. Yep. So we found some new ones. Yep. So I hope you enjoyed. Yes. I always like doing storytellings. Me too. Okay. If you want to find out more about us, you can Google the number three and the words pagans and a cat or the number three and the letters P-A-A-C. We have a website at the number three pagans and a cat.com where you can find links to the various things we do. We have a discord and a Facebook group which I invite anyone to join and hang out with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a Patreon where you can help support us so that we can live. <laughs> yeah, And you know we love you, patrons. We do. We love all of our listeners, and we are also very grateful for our patrons. Mm-hmm. I think someone must have shared our Tarot Spreads episode, because that one's getting a lot more numbers than usual. So oh, thanks to whoever did thank that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you whoever did that. Mm-hmm. We're glad you enjoyed it. Yep. And always feel free to share episodes around yes. if you think they're interesting. Yes, please do. Um... But I think that's it. I think that's it. Okay. Yep. Other than I do TikTok. Yes. Instagram. Oh, and I, I think... never ask people if I can give them a reading. No, but I think she is. You you are opening up readings on Facebook again um, soon. If yeah? I can figure out how to make the fucking page work. <laughs> she can make her Facebook page work. Ever since Meta became a thing, they've re- they've been revamping the fucking business pages, and now I don't know how to make it work. Uh huh. Yeah. But if you want a reading, you can contact me at Gwyn at threepagansandacat mm-hmm. You can email me, and we can discuss date setting up a reading. Setting up a reading. Yeah. Date time. Yeah. I also do readings uh, through email if you're interested in that. You can find the kinds of readings we do on our website at threepagansandacat.com. There's a services tab and that's what's up there. Mm -hmm. The different kinds of readings we do. But okay. So I think that's everything. I think that's everything. All right. Then goodbye. Goodbye. And we will see you next week with some other topic to talk about. And maybe we'll have a wild Jackson with us. You never know. You never know. know. We ask every week. We do. (laughs) 